The T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is funny. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart. Is now in. All right, and a very good Monday to you. A Monday afternoon quarterback edition. It is the TC Martin Show. Ballpark VGK. Perfectly. Birthday, Frank. Happy birthday to the birthday boy. It's belated. So I'm saying it today because it was yesterday. So. I think I'm still in my grace period, right? So, happy birthday, my friend. Yeah, we didn't have a show or nothing yesterday, so it's all good, you know. And I made sure I mean, that I, I sent you a happy birthday yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Did, I, I, did the whole social yeah, media I'd like thing. to thank everybody on social media reaching out to me in that. It was much appreciated in that. And, uh, you know, I mean, at my age, I'm, an ex- I'm not expecting a lot. Went out to dinner with my brother, so that was cool. You know, we, we got to catch up and... Uh, chat a little bit and then you know like i say i'm, I'm too old for presents but i, I got exactly what i wanted yeah. the packers are out <laughs> are Oot. Yeah. done see you later <laughs> bye have you seen this guy so excited before ever? i mean you know i wake up this morning the sun's not shining it's a cloudy overcast day i'm hoping there's gonna be snow or something yeah. out here you know to blow green bay out of the playoffs that's all i wanted so thank you very much but all these people, I want to say this, and maybe this is more a terrible Tuesday thing for tomorrow. Everybody on social media is saying how great Tom Brady is. They won't inspire to Tom Brady, okay? He threw three interceptions. <laughs> Brady was not magical yesterday. The defense and some other things and some really questionable coaching decisions in that game. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, Brady's going to the Super Bowl. He can thank the Tampa Bay defense and some other things that happened. He did not play spectacular. No, he didn't. Three interceptions. As a matter of fact, when Tom Brady has thrown three interceptions in a game, do you know what his record is? Probably not good. Three and ten. Coach Fossil will tell ten. you how bad the turnover ratio. You. That's you know? right. <laughs> so three and ten, yeah, and his third victory came Yesterday, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Green Bay Packers. So we got a lot to cover today, a lot to do. We're going to extensive coverage of both games yesterday. The NFC and the AFC Championship games will be diagnosing all of that today. And, uh, again, uh, the Buccaneers, what can you say? Uh, I thought that the Packers would show up. But, again, a lot of – and like you mentioned, I mean, there were some questionable calls. uh, But bottom line is – Kudos to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, but more specifically the defense. That defense was rock solid yesterday. And basically they did to Aaron Rodgers what they did to him back in week number six. And they were hitting. They were aggressive. Five sacks. And and I know a lot of Green Bay fans are complaining about the hand checking and the pass interference that were or weren't called. It went on both sides. They were letting the defensive backs and the defenders play a little bit yesterday. But it's not like it was egregious to one side or the other. It went both ways. I, I, I thought it was a good physical football game. It's football. A little bit of contact is okay. Yeah, but see, here's... Here's where I really get upset and despise, uh, whether it's media or fans talking about, well, hey, it's okay, you let him play. And that's nonsense because you just can't pick and choose when you want to let players play. And, and that's, it's a nonsensical type of term anyway. You know what they call that? A penalty. And if a penalty is a penalty, I don't care what week it is, what quarter it is, Last possession, it doesn't matter. It's just like the NBA. You're supposed to, oh, watch these referees. They're going to swallow their whistle in the final possession of the game. But they're going to call that foul back in the first or the second quarter. I mean, it's nonsense. If there's a penalty, there's a penalty. So for people to say, well, I'm kind of glad, you know, I'm tired of seeing the flags, this and that, then what you're basically saying is we will just let the defensive backs manhandle the receiver, and then the receiver has no shot. 
then it just becomes who's the bigger and stronger person. Is it the defensive back or is it the wide receiver? And you can make claims on both sides. That's not fair, this and that. Bottom line is, if you have rules, follow the rules. If you have penalties, call the penalties, plain and simple, no matter if it's offensive, defensive, whatever it is. It's just like the play clock, and we talked about that before. How many times have you seen the play clock expire by a second or two and then uh, it was close enough. That's fine. Oh, several times we saw that yesterday. Yes. And, and the one thing that I will say, and, and I agree with you, if it's a penalty in the first quarter, it should be a penalty in, in the end of yeah. the game as well. But it was yesterday. Yeah. When it wasn't, if it's not a penalty, then it shouldn't be at the end of the game yeah. either. So, And yesterday, they let them play the entire game. There was some clutching and grabbing, and the offensive players do it a lot as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like the strike zone in baseball. They say different umpires have different strike zones. Yeah. They shouldn't. But right. they do. Yeah. It's it's one of the realities we see. But it was a physical game yesterday, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. You have to make the adjustments. And, again, th- there were turnovers on both sides. But, you know, Brady didn't play great. But he is going to his 10th Super Bowl. He is going to the 10th Super Bowl. All right. All right. So the, the guy who's probably the happiest guy in Tampa Bay, maybe the happiest guy in the planet, and, of course, we had to have him on right away today. There he is. He's dancing to Cool in the Gang. There he is. Uh, waving his Buccaneers flag uh, like a fan sitting in section 472 or something. Two weeks of drive throughs on the way. That's it. And, <laughs> and, and, and more paychecks coming from the home team as well, too. The Bucks sideline reporter. We'll see if he has any voice left. T.J. Reeves, we had to start the show with you, my friend. Congratulations. What's going on there in Tampa, FLA? Oh, nothing much. Nothing much in the epicenter of sports known as Tampa Bay. My initials, brother, from another mother, it is always great to be with you, but especially after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to Lambeau after being told by many all over the place, including one T.C. Martin, you haven't beaten many teams with a winning record. That'd be two. Well, I guess they've right. beaten the Green Bay Packers now. Twice. So that's the second yep. straight week they've beaten a team with a winning record from the regular season. And I'll take issue even with VGK Frank right now. Tom Brady played outstanding, save for a couple of passes he would love to have back. The the second interception uh, that was caused when Mike Evans deflected the ball in the air is not on him. That should have been a walk-in touchdown, and Evans just botched it and batted it up in the air. That's not on Brady. The other two, okay, but I thought Brady was on it. Um, I, I thought Matt LaFleur, in a, in a lot of ways, was exposed as an inexperienced coach. We'll get into that. Preach on about the officiating. I've got some stuff on that. We will go whatever way you want to travel, my friend. Just know that all routes lead to Raymond James Stadium, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be in two weeks. Now, who said you can't go home again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so many. First of all, here's what I'd like to say, Mr. T.J. Reeves. Now, I I first met this guy. All right. He calls me out of the blue going out. I don't know. I'd probably say about two years ago. It was probably Tampa Bay lightning blue. No, no. I'm going to get there. (laughs) Okay. But this guy calls me out of the blue and says, hey, uh, understand, you know, you're a boxing guy. You cover boxing. You do all this stuff in Vegas, this and that. And a a colleague uh, of both of ours recommended. You came very, very highly recommended. And little did I know about that recommendation. But continue on. Great job. So here's what I'm saying to this. So he calls me out of the blue. And I'm talking boxing with him on with him and his show in Tampa and, and doing all these things. And then I said, well, I really would like to, you know, get you on, you know, my show. I'm going, if I ever have the chance. At that point in time, this guy's from Tampa Bay. I mean, there's really nothing for me to interview this guy about. And lo and behold, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Then lo and behold, the lightning are pretty good, right? I said, okay, I can have him on talk a little bit of lightning. Then baseball season rolls around. And here come the Rays. I'm going, okay, I can have this guy on for the Rays. And then here we go. Tampa Bay gets the the news of all news. Tom Brady is coming to Tampa Bay. I'm going, wow. I said, we got something with this guy. And obviously he's great on the air and everything. So I'm thankful, TJ Reeves, that not only that you came into my life uh, for, for, you know, just the friendship aspect, but being on the show – but thank goodness you brought some very good vibes with these teams. We've got stuff to talk about finally in Tampa Bay. I, 
I appreciate it. I, I, why do I feel like, <laughs> Nunchuck, what's going on here? VGK, Frank, I can't see TC right now. Is this like The Bachelorette? Are you extending me a road? Yeah. What is going yeah, on? I, exactly I don't know. Right I, now I, I thought, no, I know Nunchuck just left the studio to dim the lights or something well, like that. I'm feeling a little <laughs> uncomfortable. You're killing me, Smoke. <laughs> well, let, well, let okay. me say. Well, I'll get that out of the me, way. And, and now we can talk some football. But it just I was we'll thinking about that today. Me, it's like, this. when are we There's, ever talking about Tampa Bay? Oh, by the way, I got this great Tampa Bay in cider just all of a sudden i think it's cool that's all i i'm just saying that i'm in agreement with you that it's not as if there was much of a track record to go on over the course of the last few years to think that hey why do we need to put a guy from tampa bay on to talk about the tampa bay teams but brother is there now as we all know uh with what has transpired here over the course really of the last six or seven months since sports resumed and the nhl finished and major league baseball played their their whatever that was 60-game regular season to get to the postseason, which which the Rays navigated through and got to the World Series. And now you have this, and I can tell you that it is still at a fever pitch right now, almost 24 hours after that win yesterday. This has always been a Buccaneer town. They were the first of all those franchises to be here. The other two, in fact, didn't come until 20 years after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in existence. So they are going bonkers about the Bucks and about Brady and about what, uh, what this team was able to do um, in that game yesterday to now set up the scenario of scenarios, which is it's reality. We've been talking for 10 months about the possibility of the Buccaneers being in their home stadium for the Super Bowl, and now it is a reality. It is still remarkable to even utter that. TC Martin right. on a Monday, but it's reality. Exactly. And, you know, here you go. I can't believe when you really think about this that this hasn't happened before. In 55 years, this is the only time it's happened. And I think, you know, just speaking for myself, going back, you know, 20 years ago, you thought, ah, it has a possibility of happening, but yeah, it probably never will because it's never happened. And it's weird that it hasn't happened because let's remember, these Super Bowls are played in actual NFL stadiums. It's not like right. some neutral site in London or something like that. No. I mean, they play at home stadiums of one of the 32 teams in the National Football League. And you would think it would have happened already. But here it is, year 55, and it's finally happening. And th- especially this year, like you said, TJ, well, okay, well, you know, Tom Brady's coming, sure. But this was still a number five seed. This was a wild card team that had to go on the road and win three playoff games and not have a home game, and now they're playing some. So it's a cool story. It's still kind of unbelievable. But translating all that in to, and we're gonna, we'll talk about this here in the next two weeks, but just while you brought it up, do you know what is the situation, what they are doing with tickets? Because we know traditionally Super Bowls, a good majority of the tickets, I think usually about 20 25%, uh, even, even higher sometimes, go to corporate uh, you know, people, and then they usually split. You know, maybe uh, you know twenty, you know twenty thousand a piece for each team in the Super Bowl. Well, we know there's a limited uh, amount of people that can come to this, and I know there's Tampa Bay people that are are going to try to get tickets. So, first of all, what are you knowing about how many people are going to uh, get invited to to get tickets? How are they going to do about it? And what does this mean for Buck season ticket holders? Are they going to have an opportunity? to go see this game, and will it be maybe a little bit less corporate this year? All right, so here's the here's the full rundown. This was announced before the Bucks and the Chiefs obviously made it because you didn't know what the combinations would be, that no matter what, it was going to be 22,000 at capacity. They're going to have, and I was in the stadium uh, yesterday, again, full disclosure, we didn't travel to a single road game this year, including the playoff games. We did them all on the on the road radio broadcast out of Raymond James Stadium on TV. So we were in the stadium yesterday where they are in full setup mode for the Super Bowl as we speak and have been for really about the last 10 days inside the stadium. I sent you that picture, I think, with a lot of others uh, that I sent it to, the turf is magnificent because there hasn't been a game played on it in a month. It is already set. It is ready to go. Your extended forecast, by the way, God only knows if they can get it right. Is it supposed to be in the low 70s? That's that day, 13 days away. Okay. So, the, uh, yeah, no, they can't get it right, as we said last week, three days in advance. But uh, allegedly it's going to be nice weather, so the stadium is all set up and ready. But they're going to have 22,000 there. They're going to have some more temporary seating than the normal 65,000 capacity. 
So that would have been the case whether the Bucks made it or the Packers made it. That's the same uh, capacity they're going to use. 7,500 of those tickets are going to go to first responders and frontline healthcare workers from the NFL that they are handling, and they're going to sit in a special area because they've all been vaccinated twice, and so it's a different situation with COVID-19 for them. Um, then that uh, you do the math, that obviously leaves about 14,500 tickets for the rest. The two teams, I don't know this for sure, are probably only going to get a couple of thousand tickets, maybe two or 3,000 tickets to disseminate. Again, the Chiefs, because they won, had been having around 15,000, at Arrowhead. The Bucks have been having around 15,000 or so at Raymond James for the home games. So that gets divvied up. Bottom line is this. It is the craziest secondary scalper market you can imagine. When you go online and look at places like StubHub, Vivid Seats, et cetera, for tickets, last night I looked. I have not looked this afternoon. It was between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars a ticket to sit in the lower bowl, the lower level between the goal lines, anywhere that you, you were crazy? trying to sit. Yeah, pull out some serious cash. That even in the third level, the upper highest level, it was still seven or eight thousand dollars a ticket because the Kansas City Tampa Bay rematch. Mahomes coming here. Tom Brady leads the Bucks. Blah blah blah. So, again, I have no idea if that will stay at that high of a price tag over the next two weeks, but that just gives you a barometer somewhere between 15 and 20 grand a ticket because of the demand and, and the fact there's only 22,000 of them. Yeah, well, Super Bowls uh, always command a, a high ticket price no matter what, but like you said, with the limited capacity, it's going to be more so. And I know, again, a lot of people, they're, they're really not that afraid to travel, especially a sports fan like this, especially if they have an allegiance to one of those two teams. They will pay it. Yeah. Well, and one of the well, other things, and- too, that's going to be interesting about this, I didn't mean to cut you off there, TJ, but you're also going to, if you are getting tickets for this, whether you're already down there or if you're traveling down there, make sure it's a reliable source you're getting the tickets yes. from. Because you know there's going to be a ton of people yeah. getting tickets and going, Sorry, these aren't real or something like that. You don't want to drop fifteen grand on something where you're still yep. going to the nearest bar to watch it. And to your point, there are scams already online and out there about this whole come for the experience. We've got a hotel room. We've got the tickets. I've been warning people since last night and this morning, Frank, you're a prophet. Be very careful because these are people that are trying to get tickets to the game And one of two things may happen to you, which is they suddenly say, sorry, we don't have your tickets, and now you're in a fight with them over the money you've paid them. Or the second thing is, we do have your tickets, but instead of what we offered, which was like eight or nine grand for the whole experience, staying here, this, that, it's now 18 or 20 grand because the ticket is so much more than what we thought it was going to be. And then they point to a little fine print in the contract that says, uh, you know the agreement you did with them that you uh, the terms and conditions that they could have fluctuate the price depending on the secondary market. I'm telling you what the secondary market is right now. It's ridiculous to try to get your hands on a ticket, but you're right about be careful uh, on the scams for that. And the point I was going to make is Kansas City folks fans can drive here fairly realistically on Thursday or Friday of that week and be here for Super Bowl weekend without having to fly, and the other fan base doesn't have to fly in terms of safety and travel in this case. And there will be thousands probably that will come here without tickets from other places, fans of the teams or not, to be around the experience because, again, this state is open to a degree with restaurants, with businesses, with those kind of things, and people have been flooding here to come and be part of that for months anyway, just to give you an idea of the of the feel of the area. I know you've got a role here in a few minutes. Do we want to get into the X's and O's of the game and the officiating and Matt LaFleur and all this? You mix it up. Go. Well, first of all, uh, breaking news is Numchuk uh, just uh, showed me now. Uh, we Numchuk is offering me tickets right now for $6,800. Uh, we could sit in Upper Deck 304. What's 304 okay, like? So that's the third. third so the 304 is the Upper Deck yeah, no corners good. of the stadium. I'm a seat so snob. We're not, we're not sitting there. You'll be sitting next to Bob Euchre. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're sitting, if you're sitting, uh, Numchuk, if you're looking at it, if you're sitting in the 100 level between the tens or between the goal lines, you're probably sitting from about one ten to the other end. I'm trying to remember visualizing it to about one 
something like one, uh, I don't know, on the other end, like 109. There's a garage and even Here we go. Lower level center, 111. Sold coming down $39,600. You can get one of $39,600. Sold to that man wearing the putrid and the pewter or whatever you call it for $39,600. $39,000. Get that guy's credit card number. Man, $39,000. And again, I was I was looking at it last night, and it, it it will be interesting if that if that number holds there or gets a little less as we get into next week, and fewer people are willing to pay for it on All the right. secondary market. And you got to be careful of fraud. Go ahead, T.J. Reeves, the Buck Sideline reporter. He is the man. He is happy that uh, he will be there in less than two weeks at uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five. Okay, I, I want to get your take on this. We talk about Brady. It's a great story and everything. I think the defense was phenomenal. That was really the difference that I felt for the Buccaneers defeating the Packers. Are you going to put on a Sean Murphy bunting jersey now? Because I'm going to get you a custom-made one. That is three consecutive games with an interception in the postseason. That has never happened in Buccaneer history, and he tied a postseason record yesterday, the Bucs defensive back, with a pick. You've been hammering this guy every time that you come on my stuff or your stuff, but he got another pick yesterday. Okay, but again, if he can uh, contain uh, Tyreek Hill, but I I feel (laughs) Tyreek Hill is going to make him look silly, is going to make him look goofy. Sammy Watkins might be back too, so we'll we'll hold that. But I want to get your thoughts on the game itself for you. Again, you know this team inside and out. We've gone back and forth about this. What, what Was there a surprising element for you while you were watching this game unfold? And what was the key or maybe that surprising element on, on how well the Bucks actually played in Lambeau yesterday? All right, so there's two or three things. The first surprising thing is, uh, again, this is ballot criticism of Matt LaFleur, second-year coach, uh, only in his fourth playoff game, as it turns out. If you've been watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the end of the regular season from a strategic standpoint and the two playoff games, if you win the toss like he did yesterday, you take the ball with Aaron Rodgers at home and you go score a touchdown. Because in the last two regular season games and both the playoff games, the Buccaneers got the ball first and scored three touchdowns and drove down and kicked a field goal in Washington, four for four. So that was automatically the first surprising thing of, okay, have you not been scouting and watching the Buccaneers and you immediately put yourself behind? I know you have confidence in Aaron Rodgers, but you immediately put yourself on your heels at the beginning of the game. Then later at the end of the first half, what in the name of Greg Williams, the former Jets defensive coordinator (laughs) who gave up the bomb against the Raiders, what was that defense allowing Scotty Miller to streak down the sideline with no time left in the first half to catch a bomb for a touchdown just asleep at the switch, the Green Bay uh, staff there on that one. And then, and then we can get to the whole thing about the field goal at the end instead of going for it on fourth down, which was not a second guess by me and by others. It was a first guess on what are they doing because you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady with an opportunity to kill the clock after you kill the, uh, kick the field goal. In fact, each of the last two Buccaneer playoff games, they got it back one more time to kill the clock and killed the final four minutes of the game. Again, I I thought he was playing checkers for a lot of that game against Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles. So that's what struck me. Um, As for huge plays, probably the biggest plays of of that game, the swing at the beginning of the second half where Jordan Whitehead caused the fumble. He cracked Aaron Jones and caused the fumble. They scored on the next play. It's now 28-10. At that point... You're, you're saying this could be a blowout again. They are rolling the Packers again, just like in October. To Green Bay's credit, they came back. The other key was when Brady threw two of the interceptions, they weren't able to drive and get touchdowns. The defense stopped. In fact, the defense forced a punt after one of them. That was the biggest key in the fourth quarter is the defense stood tall, and Tampa Bay played a complete game. Absolutely. All right, T.J. Reeves, the Buck Sideline Reporter, joined us as we're talking about the Buccaneers defeating the Packers yesterday and on to the Super Bowl. You know, you're talking about those three plays, and I agree with you. They're all incredibly important. But what was going through your mind at the end of the half before they got that touchdown when Tampa had the ball around midfield and they decided to go for it on that fourth down? They would have given Rodgers and company. Arians really rolled the dice on that play. They pick up the first down. You're thinking, okay, well, now they're going to try to get a quick out or something and maybe kick a field goal. It is open deep. Absolute blowing coverage there. But, you know, 
What was going through your mind when Arians did that? Did that surprise you at all, or did you expect him to do that? I said on the air, on our, on our broadcast, I said, this is dangerous because they had taken the time out. I said, because Aaron Rodgers has thrown multiple Hail Marys in his career, including in a playoff game against Arizona when he did it. Uh, so I was very concerned of do not give them the ball at midfield with five or six seconds yeah. left because he can launch it to the end zone, and you could get a penalty. You can have all kinds of things And they still happen. have timeouts. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, guys, there's only six it, seconds left. So it didn't matter. And, and just to, to jump in here, I was shocked when I saw Brady leave the field and the punting unit come come on. And I don't know, TJ, if that was a Brady call or if that was an Arians call. There but, was, so here's here's the explanation for yeah. Arians. There were 10 seconds left before the fourth down play. Right. And they initially were going to just punt and say go to the locker room. But they talked about it as a staff. Uh, just briefly on the sideline during the timeout and said, we really like this swing pass to Fournette to get the first down with the way they've been playing defense in the second quarter. And sure enough, they were right. Fournette caught it and got the first down. And then they loved the Scotty Miller play. And Bruce Arian said to me after the game on the postgame interview on Buccaneers Radio that Scotty Miller flanked out wide to the left right in front of him, right where he was, and he knew this is going to be a touchdown. Because he could see the defense Green Bay was in without a safety on that side, and Miller was going to run by the the Packer DB King, and he absolutely cooked him and ran by him. Just a great sequence, and that is part of what Bruce Arians came in the door in Tampa Bay saying: "No risk it, no biscuit." His yeah. big slogan. That was a stay on the gas, no risk it, no biscuit moment for sure. No, to me that said everything because it's fourteen to ten, and the Packers, you know, they had to end up punting that possession before because remember they were going to get the second half kickoff. It's like okay, we're going to they have an opportunity for you know the, the the double dip here, and so when you know again, I I didn't think that he would punt. I said that that doesn't make any sense because at that time there's only six seconds to go. It's fourth down. You could throw into but, the but end there zone. Was ten. There was no, ten. No, 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 no. Ten no, before. He's talking about after the last the conversion. Okay. Yeah. After the okay. ten after was the first before, down after, down after, yeah, right. after yeah. So you had six seconds when they were going to punt. So at that point in time, I thought, okay, here's the quick little out. But still, with that quick little out. With six seconds, you'd have to complete maybe a 10-yarder to be in reasonable field goal range. Right. So for me, it made sense. Just throw the Hail Mary. Do what you got to do. It wasn't a Hail Mary, guys. As you know, this was just a beautiful thrown ball on a beautiful play where Scotty Miller got behind the DB, the ham and egg young DB, the Packers, which you've talked about before. I mean, it was just stupidity. I mean, insane yep. in the membrane, as well, the song once said, T.J. On Reese. That was crazy. That play, just so you know, they sent two other guys deep. They sent yep. Evans deep, and they had either Godwin or somebody else in the slot going deep to confuse the Green Bay secondary. And God, did they confuse them to leave Miller alone where he's streaking right by. And it's very similar to the touchdown you saw in person, Brady, throw against the Raiders in the same corner on the far sideline end zone. Very similar very similar play. And, again, you make a great point that the Buck defense stopped them time and again. Can I say this on the T.C. Martin Show while we're here? Even in victory, Cleet Blakeman and his officiating crew should not work another playoff game anytime soon. Atrocious. They were awful. <laughs> Off, not just bad. They were awful yesterday. Blakeman, Blakeman missed a call that is supposed to be called 100 times out of 100 when the Packer defender threw Brady to the ground after an incompletion. He didn't, he didn't injure him, but that is supposed to be called every single time. Right in front of him, Brady got up, argued, Cleet Blakeman asleep, asleep at the switch. Later on in the game, asleep again when a Packer stands up out of a stance for an obvious false start. They don't blow it dead. They run the play. Green Bay got a first down. Right. Horrible. Horrible on the delay of game that Frank was mentioning later on in another drive full second a full second with the clock at zero before they snap the ball again these are easy things that's not just swallow the whistle questionable pass interference or not holding or not the packers had 12 men on the field twice they didn't catch it one time and then replay review in the final 10 uh, two minutes had to catch it the second time 
They were awful. Timeout, rewind, stand by. You just reeled off five plays, all yeah. talking about the the the, the Packers infractions. Yeah. What what about from the Bucks side, Mister Neutral, Mister Media member there in Tampa? Are you kidding you me? Had? Your boy Sean Murphy bunting, blatantly <laughs> holding, seeing grabbing jerseys over and over, getting to Devonte Adams earlier. Those should have been penalties too. I agree with everything you said, but there was another half dozen or so. Maybe uh, not half does beat them three or four key plays on the other side that were just as ridiculous and again by the way you can you can get wayne larry on at some point for the consolation prize and he'll (laughs) tell you about the buccaneer mistakes we're not covering for that i i'm just saying to you these were obvious things that should have been blown dead or called that are black and white for the black and white stripes okay good all right so party note here i know we we get and we will spend some more time with you and again uh utilizing this 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 time with our our man in the epicenter as you say over the next two (laughs) weeks but so we're talking yesterday after the game or even before the game i even told him before the game boom you're coming on if you win this and that that's great didn't think they would win but i'm gonna have them on anyway either today or the next couple days so then uh, we're all good. He's reveling in the party atmosphere last night and everything. So then this morning he goes, "Hey, just confirming, uh, you know, about the what time we're gonna go. We're gonna do this." So he says, "I've got to be on in West Virginia today." I go, "West Virginia? Number one, they don't even have football there." Mountaineer country, and number right. two, I don't believe they even have televisions. So why are they we do, even why are we even talking about a you appearing radio. on a West yeah. Virginia radio station? Are you insane? Over this show? I'm, t- I'm telling you that a 20-year friend of mine in broadcasting from West Virginia had already said to me on Monday after the game at the Bucks win, can you come on? I said, yes. He hit me with the time that he, he wanted to utilize me. I did not realize that I was infringing on the great territory of T.C. Martin wanting to leave the show off in Las Vegas with me. But we worked it out, and as it turns out, we bumped – uh, West Virginia for the T.C. Martin show. There you go, as so, you should. Uh, even, even, though, even though they were clamoring for an interview, the T.C. Martin show did take precedence over West by God, Virginia. Yeah, West well, Virginia. Well, by the way, last I looked, the T.C. Martin show was a radio show as well, so it doesn't matter if they don't have TVs there. <laughs> Why are you hating on West Virginia? Let T.J. <laughs> spread the love for everybody out yes. there. And I just want to say on a personal note, Please thank all the Buccaneers for making my birthday exactly what I needed with Green Bay being eliminated. Beautiful. All I wanted. TC, I just leave you. I leave you with this. Once again, the Green Bay Packers, number one seed in the NFC, playing at home. Blow the game. You were there the last time. I don't want to hear any more about Buccaneers not being able to beat teams with a winning record. That obviously happened, as I said at the beginning of the conversation. And please, please assure me you're going to take Mahomes and the Chiefs in two weeks because that's guaranteeing Buccaneer victory. If you're doubting and hating on Brady and the Bucks one more time, we're golden in Super Bowl 55. Again, TJ, again, remember from a betting perspective, I had the Buccaneers last week. I like Brady. You know how I feel about Brady. I have to defend Brady all the time with these ham and eggers around here, okay? I don't like him because he's won too many Super Bowls. I love Brady, and you know that. And We've talked about that numerous times. I was happy that you got Brady, and let's let's be honest. The only reason you're here in this position is because you guys signed Tom Brady. So yes, I, I love the Buccaneers. I am not bitter because I don't care. Okay, even though again working with the Packers, twelve years been there, I don't have any allegiance. You know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. I don't <laughs> care. I'm with Frank. I'm fine. I'll high five Frank if he wants a high five. No problem. But it's all about. You're going to bet to win the money. And I believe right. the Green Bay laying a field goal at home, Lambeau Field. I thought Tampa Bay's time was over yesterday. But I will say, TJ Reeves, yes, in two weeks, their time is done. Laying a field goal again? Are you kidding me? My I'll be all over the Kansas City Chiefs like a hobo on a hot dog at the corner of Tropicana Norville. Pay that me. My Monday is made. TC is still doubting the Bucks. While Brady and company are still alive and playing. I love it. Right, you have me on whenever you need me. I, I will shoo aside West Virginia. I will shoo aside like Huntsville, Alabama or Boise, Idaho or whoever I need to shoo aside to be on the T.C. Martin show. Always good to be with you, my friend, as the Buccaneers 
make history and are in the Super Bowl. So I'll jump back on whenever you need me on the show. All right, there it is. Tell the Twins uh, another paycheck coming, a Super Bowl <laughs> paycheck, TJ Reeves. That should be a huge one. That could probably take you to the Outback. Forget Mickey yes, D's drive-through. I bet you go to the Outback. Like in Ricky Bobby with Will Ferrell, we're going to Applebee's. The family always goes to Applebee's to celebrate. We might be going there, free plug, right, uh, for the show. Uh, by the way, we didn't we didn't uh, con- confirm here. You now owe me something in the food wager. Yes. So you got to get back to me now that the Packers blew it, minus three, minus three and a half, and get back to me on what you're paying up here uh, to the Bucks sideline guy. I'm just saying. No, be well. Uh, again, no problem, brother, to be good. The thing is, like I told these guys earlier, I said it's it's a food wager, but that w- would mean you would have to leave the time zone. You never leave the Eastern time zone. You never come out this way. Come out this way, I'll wine and dine you. I mean, come on. You right. never leave the comforts of the Eastern time zone. Even when you're broadcasting but, games, you're in the Eastern time that's zone. That's exactly right, and Jeez. it served us well. We, right. we have won eight games in a row on the road, having never traveled to any of them. So we're not, now we get the Super Bowl at home. It is surreal. It is crazy. And now I must depart here on the T.C. Martin Show because, as I said to you off the air, I have the Twins, and we're headed to a playoff soccer game that their friend is in that is this evening and yes drive through could be in our future i will update you at a later date Take care. Go all right there he is congratulations there he is so tj's departing the show and aaron Rodgers might be departing green bay that's not that, that's not happening i mean maybe he'll go to the patriots yeah. <laughs> if aaron Rodgers goes anywhere he's gonna go west coast i can see him with the niners somewhere but anyway that's that that's that's too premature talk right now i want to see him go to the patriots and we're number 12 We've got a lot to cover. All right, so very nice. A lot to cover here. All right, so we will talk about Kansas City Buffalo. We'll hit more on the Packers Buccaneers. We'll take your phone calls as well, too. Your thoughts if you want to chime in about what your eyes saw yesterday. NFC Championship game, AFC Championship as well, too. 221-7283. Jump on board if you're outside of the Vegas area code. You know it. It's 702 221-7283. Matthew Holt will join us next hour, so hang tight for that. We're talking UFC 257. We got a chance to watch that. We'll give you our thoughts as Conor McGregor goes down. Still a busy day on the T.C. Martin Show. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. In. All right, hopefully you got the William Hill mobile app. A lot of people made a lot of money yesterday betting on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What were the odds on that touchdown at the end of the first half, I wonder? <laughs> For in-game wagering, if you would have th- rolled that out and said they're going to get six here, yeah. that had to be big. All right, get the mobile app. Real easy to use if you don't have it already. Hey, a special bonus for new account users. Download the app on your phone. And uh, when you go deposit money, at least $50 into a brand new account, use the promo code TC50, and they'll give you an additional free $50 in your account. That's right. So deposit at least $50. They'll give you another $50. Free to play with as we get ready for the Super Bowl in two weeks. And, of course, you got the NBA, college basketball, Hockey, VGK, all of that. So get over to the any of the William Hill properties and get a new account at williamhill.us. All right. Uh, appreciate TJ Reeves. Very excited, of course. A regular on the show. Covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is the Bucks sideline reporter. And, uh, yes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeat the Packers yesterday, and they will be playing in their home stadium, Super Bowl 55, coming up uh, uh, two weeks from yesterday, so February the 7th. Uh, let's dive into now our thoughts uh, regarding that game. And then we'll also talk about the AFC Championship game yesterday as well, too. A little bit more one-sided than the uh, Buccaneers-Packers game. So everyone wants to talk about the fourth down situation with the Packers. Okay, We talked about game changers uh, right before the break. Green Bay trailed 14-10 to 10 with six seconds to go in the first half. And Tampa Bay had that fourth down. And it, instead of not punting they decided to go for it we didn't know if they were going to do a little six seven yard out maybe getting better field goal range for a long field goal to give them a 17 10 lead or just throw the hail mary but it, yeah it didn't make any sense really to punt the ball at that point in time but what they did with that play where brady found scotty miller now hearing what tj had to say that that was something that they liked and they dialed up and it was 
precision. We can say we want about Brady having the three interceptions. He didn't play great. He had some some horrendous decision making, you know, especially when he threw a couple of those, you know, uh, interceptions up. I think in the second quarter, that was crazy. Yeah, basically threw but, him up for grabs. But that shot to Scotty Miller was phenomenal. That was the game changer. You go from fourteen to ten to twenty one to ten. And then we'll talk about what happened, you know, when the Packers first possession of the third here in a minute. But that was a clutch play. That was a backbreaker. Oh, absolutely it was. I mean, like I say, I thought once they got the first down, it's like, okay, they're going to try try a quick out and try to stop the clock. Because remember, they burned that last time right. out after that first down as well because they didn't get out of bounds on that. So I'm thinking, all right, well, they're going to try to get in field goal, but at least the one thing they've done is they've controlled the clock so, you know, nothing really bad can happen. Yeah. And then when I see Miller get open, but like TJ said as well there, they sent more than one guy yeah. deep. There, there was a couple guys. Now, I don't know that the other ones were as open as Miller because he was wide open, but they sent everybody deep. And it's like football 101. You don't let the guy get behind you. We talked about that with the Raiders and the Jets game <laughs> right. during the season. It, it, it's the one thing you can't do. Yeah. And they did it, and it made the separation was ridiculously easy. Yeah, it was. It was. And again, so the Packers just, you don't have any momentum whatsoever, but at least you think, okay, you're, now you're down 11. But you, you were down four, and like I mentioned, Rodgers had a chance, and they had two three and outs. The two possessions before that, you know, again, you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. You know, give Rodgers the ball with two minutes to go or less than two minutes to go, and now they're going get, to get the kickoff, and none of that worked out. So they get the kickoff, and I believe it was the third play. Here comes uh, the, the interception, and the Bucks have it, you know, take it uh, you know, down to the Packers' eight-yard line, and the Aaron Jones fumble cost him. And I thought it was pretty apropos that we see Aaron Jones immediately go to the sideline because, remember, he fumbled earlier. And Tanyan, you know, fell on the ball to keep, you know, right. to preserve the first down and, and keep possession. But again, Aaron Jones been loose with the football this year. So when that happened, it was like, okay, they're done. And then Brady connects, you know, with a quick eight yard strike to Brady. And it's 28 to 10. At that point in time, I'm thinking, okay, this game is over, even though you still got basically 13 and a half minutes in the third quarter. There's plenty of time. And we've seen Rodgers and the Packers come back, but you just had that feeling. Lo and behold, the Packers did come back. But to Aaron Jones, we never saw him again. He went to the bench. Even when the Packers were trying to rally, he was all alone on the bench. You know, had the uh, the jacket on, that sort of thing. And then and I heard Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about, well, you know, he, he's, got a, he's, he's injured or whatever. What are you talking about he's injured? I mean, this guy was on the bench because of the two fumbles, plain and simple. And you didn't see any teammates going up to him. He wasn't engaging with 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 uh, any of his teammates. I mean, that Packer bench was just distraught. And again, you if you're gonna have that defeatist attitude against a guy like Tom Brady, you're done. So well, yeah, and he may have been injured. He was mentally injured because oh, yeah. he was hurt or whatever, and he he knew that he had he had messed up drastically. But yeah, he wasn't hurt. Hurt. He wasn't hobbling off. And if he was injured, injured, they would have had him down in the locker room exactly. working on him to bring him back out. He right. wouldn't have been sitting out there by himself in the cold. Right. So the the big questionable call that everyone is going to talk about forever, especially Packer fans. The Packers battled back. They were down 31-23. There was 2.13 to go, and they had a first and goal. Well, actually, with about three and a half minutes to go, it was first and goal at the eight after they, they had the long pass, and I believe it was Devontae Adams got him down to the eight. I don't know about you, but every time that someone gets a first and goal inside the 10, you're a little bit leery. It's like, okay, you know things are going to tighten up here. Those passing lanes are not going to be as open. Yeah, you don't have much room to move over with because everything is scrunched together. All right, so everyone's talking about the fourth and goal from the eight with with 2.13 to go. Matt LaFleur decides we're going to kick a field goal to make it a five-point deficit instead of eight. Everyone is losing their mind and saying, hey, you got to go for that there. Well, first of all, let's say this. You're down eight, all right? You have four timeouts left. Count them, four. Packers have all three of their timeouts, plus you have the two-minute warning. Yep. You have plenty of time. My problem with this was, wasn't the fourth down decision, okay? It was what you decided to do on first down, second down, and third down. The Packers got zero yards on those three downs combined, nothing. The play calling was horrendous. They didn't even attempt to run the football. They had Rodgers rolling out on two of those plays. 
throwing in a double coverage like you mentioned, one nearly intercepted, one basically threw the ball away. And on that third down play, he had an opportunity to scramble. He rolled out to the right, and the, I don't know why I want to say the, I guess, old Aaron Rodgers or the younger Aaron Rodgers probably would have drawn it in for a touchdown. The Aaron Rodgers we saw even a week or two before would have done that. While I'm watching this and seeing his will not to run, I'm thinking, is, is this guy think he's Tom Brady or Drew Brees and doesn't want to run? Because Aaron Rodgers can still get there. He might not have scored, but I, I'm banking right now at least a 60% chance, I think, that he takes off. He's going to score, especially if he tries to sell himself out, which we've seen him do before. At least he gets down inside the five, maybe to the three or the two-yard line, and now you got a big decision there at fourth and goal from the two or the three. But I don't blame Matt LaFleur for kicking the field goal because there was no guarantee. I had zero faith if they would have went for it on fourth and goal from me. They're not getting it based on what I saw in those first three downs. Yeah, I agree with you that it's possible they wouldn't have got it. I, I, I still was surprised they didn't do it, but I do agree with you on that third down play. I thought, sure, he was taken off and running. Now, again, because everything is so condensed down there by the goal line, I didn't know if he'd get in. What I expected when I saw that play development was he's going to run, he's going to fake the throw to freeze everybody, then he's going to come running, and if he can't get in, he's going to slide about the three and almost hope that somebody hits him gets a penalty and gets him a whole brand-new set of downs, then it'll be half the distance. It'll be first and goal from, like, the two or the one-and-a-half or something. But when he threw it into the double coverage, I was like, what are you doing? That that was insane. You've got to take up and get as much as you can. The worst that that should have been was fourth and three because he definitely would have got there. And I'm I'm with you. If he dives into it, he might have got a touchdown. Right. But I I really thought – because I've seen enough of him play over the years, he wasn't going to get all the way to the outside and run it out of bounds or something. I thought he was going to run and slide if he couldn't get in and literally hope somebody would hit him. And you knew that as aggressively as the defense is playing on that third down play, there's a good chance that could have happened. But when he threw it, he played right into their hands. And he almost handcuffed his coach, and now his coach has taken all the flack for it. Right. And again, he said he was surprised, uh, his comments. So, uh, yeah, here's Aaron Rodgers talking about the, or rather, Matt LaFleur trying to defend his decision about why uh, he opted for Mason Crosby in the field goal on that fourth down. Yeah, anytime it doesn't work out, you always regret it, right? But uh, it was just uh, the circumstances of having three shots and coming away with no yards. Um, and knowing that you not only need the touchdown, but you'd need the two point. So the way I was looking at it was we essentially had four timeouts with the two minute warning. And, you know, we, we knew we needed to get a stop. And I thought we were going to have a stop there at the end, but you know, they, we got called for, for the P PI. Um, and it didn't work out. So I think anytime something doesn't work out, do you regret it? Sure. But we're always going to be process driven here. And the way our defense was battling, the way our defense was playing, we felt like it was the right decision to do. And uh, it just didn't work out. Yeah. So again, I I didn't have that much of a problem with it because like you said, with the four timeouts and when they kicked off, I said, okay, Crosby, you're going to have to put this thing in the end zone so the clock doesn't run to the two-minute mark or under the two-minute mark. And then Tampa fields it at about the 10, and then the guy gives himself up with 201. So, again, you had your four timeouts. The Packers needed to get – they had two different opportunities to get a to get off the field, to a fourth down. Tampa Bay went and got a first down, and then they got a second first down. Just think if they hold them three and out – They've got a minute and a half at least to go down there and get a game-winning touchdown, not a game-tying touchdown. And again, I go back to the to the, the two-point conversion. Lazar, he dropped it. That you know, maybe now if you're down seven, you're down six. Well, then then again, maybe you do. But ask the Packers to get a touchdown plus a two-point conversion, which is under twenty percent that you can get a two-point conversion. Again, no guarantee with that. So. Uh, again, if you if he had had one timeout or two timeouts, or then you're under two minutes. Of course, you go for it. But in this situation, the Buccaneers ran I think eight plays, 
and they Packers never got the ball back, but you got to trust your defense and think you're going to get it. And they come up with one stop, they get the ball back. Yeah, the one place where I will disagree with what he said there, and I understand he's doing coach speak and he's trying to defend his decision sure. or whatever, but when he said in there, well, you remember we needed the touchdown and the two-point conversion. Well, that was true to take the lead and everything else, but remember this too. If you would have just the touchdown – and then you still kicked off. Then you would have been within a field goal to win in it. Correct. So that two point conversion, Correct. you know, you know, so so it's not exactly like it was that cut and dried. The touchdown still would have been a lot better than getting just the field goal. Correct. Those extra three points would have been a huge difference in what you do after yep. that field goal so. to win. No doubt about it. All right. So Aaron Rodgers' thoughts about coming off the field <laughs> on that fourth down. Well, I didn't have a decision on that one. Um, Yeah, that wasn't my decision, but I understand the thinking above two minutes with uh, all of our timeouts, but yeah, that wasn't my decision. All right, Aaron Rodgers, uh, obviously not happy about that. He goes on in that soundbite as well, too, to talk about that uh, he used the term gymnastics. He goes, I was fully expecting to stay on the field, and then he goes, I see, you know, five linemen, you know, coming out, and I see... You know, our kicking or field goal unit come on and he goes doing all these gymnastics on the sidelines. And he goes, uh, yeah. Uh, so he took the high road. You know, he wanted an opportunity. But then again, he went with that because you didn't gain a single yard on those first three plays, which was, I mean, I guess highly unusual because the Packers are number one in the red zone. Well, and that would have been nice, too, is if one of the reporters would have said something instead of just asking him to basically exactly. throw his coach under the bus. Why didn't you run the ball? Did, did did it look that open to you? Did it close that quickly? Because you've been in the league an awful long time. It looked like you had a lane there. Did you, you know, you, you've been known for running your entire career. Even when you're hurting games and you're always reaching back like you just you blew out your quad or something like that. And then you go on a 20-yard scamper the next play for the last decade or more. Why didn't you run on that play? I don't remember anybody asking him that. All right. All right, so obviously this was a hot topic with people all over the internet uh, for gamblers, people that bet on the Packers. Uh, here's a soundbite from Dave Portnoy, and if you don't know who he is, he is the founder of Barstool Sports, who uh, just sold Barstool Sports for a, a, a whole bunch of money, billions of dollars. And uh, he was watching the game as a degenerate gambler himself. Uh, here's what his thoughts were after that. Okay, I'm in the cafeteria of the sports book watching AFC uh, championship game mid-first quarter. I had to take a break because Matt LaFleur is not getting the heat he deserves on Twitter, social media, anywhere as far as I can tell. But Matt LaFleur is the greatest coward in the history of human civilization. From now on, you know Roy Munson, Kingpin, it's like, oh, that's a Munson? When someone's balls shrivel up into their nuts and they can't move because they're too scared and too big of a to make a decision and they have no manhood and little girls walk by and go oh look at that the greatest that's now a matt lafleur that is a matt lafleur that field goal the greatest coward in the history of cowards and he should be allowed to coach and for the rest of his life when you see him walk down you go look that's matt lafleur the greatest coward ever you go in there he has no guts you look around you do operation you're moving the man has no guts he has no balls. He has no nuts. And forever, from this day forward, if you're a coward, you're known as a Matt LaFleur. Period. End of story. Disgruntled gambler? What do you think? Of course, the bleep out was the P word. He, something tells me he had a wager on him. Yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> of course he did. Wow. Wow. That was actually said to me from a diehard Packer fan, a season ticket holder who was at the game yesterday. And he got back. There are a lot of people that were at Lambeau Field had action on that game. Oh, wow. Craziness. All right, when we come back, we will talk a little more football. But we'll talk UFC 257. Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, one of our UFC gurus and expert. And Matthew went to the ticket window. He cashed in on Dustin Poirier. We'll get his thoughts about McGregor and Poirier. We watch the fights as well, too. We'll talk about that. We got that and a whole lot more. Nick Bogdanovich is going to join us a little bit later as well, too. The race and sportsbook director at William Hill. A lot of big tickets cashed at William Hill Sportsbooks yesterday on the Bucks and the Chiefs. We'll get all that from Nick Bogdanovich a little bit later on. So don't you dare go anywhere. It's Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin right here on a Monday afternoon quarterback edition.